This is Jimmy's intention. Dude. Welcome to Jimmy's Intention. I'm sitting here with the Chancellor of the San Bernardino Community College District, uh, Chancellor Bruce Barron. Thank you, Bruce, for being here. It's my pleasure. Glad to talk to you, Jimmy. We've been trying to arrange this for quite some time, and finally, uh, here it is. Yeah, I have a tough schedule. Well, you know, I actually want to get into your schedule and kind of what is an average day like for a chancellor, but you know what? I think right off the top, I think it would be really <laughs> ignoring the, the elephant in the room if we didn't talk about the shootings that happened probably, what, no more than a mile from here? Yeah, they were um, very close to Valley College, and it was just devastating. We have um, so many people on campus who, who knew some of the victims, and uh, it was just uh, extremely tragic. Today we had a memorial service for the, uh, for the victims, and we've opened up our student health center and our employee assistance plan just so there are resources available for folks who need to talk. When you see something so horrible happen so close to home, it just really is, um, it's just unbelievable. The reality of it is unbelievable. I lived in New York, <coughs> excuse me, please. I lived in New York when the 9-11... Um, um, you know, I do want to get into our New York connection as well, but okay. we'll get into that later. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, so we've been, uh, we've been doing quite a number of uh, activities and uh, events dealing with the, uh, the tragedy. Um, you know, for me personally, and again, these aren't, this is not really an interview, it's more a conversation. So if I, if I talk a lot, and that's not typical interview fashion, but, you know, for me personally, you know, I was, I was working at home. I was telecommuting that day from my desk. I, think I was writing a syllabus for a new class that I'm be teaching, and... My daughter from London texted me, Dad, are you okay? And it's like, my daughter from London knew about it before I did. <laughs> and then soon after that, I got a FaceTime from my son in Arizona. Wow. And so they're, they're calling me and he was okay. And, you know, we hear about these shootings and terrorists and, you know, your heart can't bleed equally for everything. You know, you just can't. There's just not enough compassion. It's just too hard to, to dig up that kind of empathy. And so I just kind of went about my day that I went to the gym and I saw it on TV and I saw the gurneys out and I saw where it was at. And I just started crying on the treadmill. I just thought, you know, now when I teach, they're my kids, you know, and you don't mess with my kids. And I have so many students that work in the healthcare industry in San Bernardino. And it just, it just, just like a knife. It just was like a knife. Yeah, when you read the biographies of the people who were killed and uh, they become so real, they become like your next door neighbor or like your best friend, you know, just regular people, you know, with regular hobbies and kids and lives like yours. And the connection to uh, these people is just uh, is just so real when you um, when you see it that way. And then when you think about the senselessness of it, you know, and you keep wondering, you know, what what kind of message are uh, terrorists trying to send when they're killing innocent people? Well, the salt of the earth, healthcare workers. These are good people. These yeah. are... They are. And the irony is that, you know, it actually brings the community closer together. You know, I've, I haven't seen San Bernardino so together with right. people hugging each other and saying, I love you, and just really having an identity. We're from San Bernardino. And outside support, too. San Bernardino, we love you. You know, it's like... Thanks. You know, as you've, as you've <laughs> right. referred to this community as economically depressed, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's like, it's, it's kind of nice to say, hey, thank you. Someone's thinking about this community. It, it's too bad it's under these circumstances. I know. It, it sure is. But, um, you know, we as Americans uh, survive these incidents and we have great resiliency 
and uh, I think great spirit. And sometimes it takes a tragedy to bring it out of us because we tend to kind of be, you know, stoic and and maybe too distant from each other. But when something like this happens, you really find out what people are really like. And that's the beautiful part of the tragedy. You know, there's always opposites in things that happen. And um, it's just great that San Bernardino is coming together. And I, I just, I, you know, I, I wish I could say that, you know, this is the end of it. But it seems like these types of incidents are, are escalating. And, um, you know, it's great when people say, well, we're not going to be afraid. But it's very hard to not be afraid when you can just see violence so randomly happening uh, right under your nose, right in your backyard. It's a terrible situation that we're dealing with uh, right now. And like whether one wants to admit it or not, like, you know, the, the shootings in Paris, the bombings in Paris, it's in Paris. You, 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 your heart sinks. It's terrible. It's awful. But it doesn't strike that same level of primal emotion that when it happens to potentially somebody within your what Robin Dunbar calls the monkey sphere, people mm -hmm. that are within your level of, of community. It, it's a different feeling altogether. Well, then, as chancellor, I have this responsibility for all the people in the district. You know, there's uh, 15,000 students and there's uh, 1,000 faculty and staff full and part-time. And I've got to make sure that we're making the right decisions. So it's been really interesting. We had a, a huge post-mortem of the, um, how we handled the event on our campuses. And even though the police uh, followed our protocol for emergency operations, you really, uh, when you see it happening, you can't account for certain things that take place, such as rumors right, and, and right. people's emotions. And how does the word get out so that everybody is hearing it at the same time in the same way? So we identified some real uh, gaps in the communication system, and we're going to get together and be working on how do we, you know, really, it sounds good on paper when you've got a policy or a procedure, but when you can see it applied like we, what we did during this incident, now we can really uh, hopefully make it better and improve what we do. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, okay, you know, mo moving on, I, you know, I, I think you know, the, the, the remnants of, of, of the psychology and the emotion of this is going to be felt for quite some time. Um, but, you know, like you said, we move forward and let's improve from it. And not only our policy, but our strategy, our level of, you know, communal togetherness, um, all the benefits that can happen out of something terrible like this. So to shift gears, Jimmy, I'm surprised to find myself actually sitting here talking to you. Why? Because a month ago, I thought that, uh, you know, you really disliked me and you oh. wanted, uh, you know, the Senate to vote no confidence and to you know, get me out of here. And I said, well, can I trust this guy? Can we be friends and can we talk and, you know, really get to know each other a little bit? And um, when you said I can come to your class and talk to the students, I, I felt, uh, I, I just felt the walls breaking down. Can I, can I give a little background? Because people may be listening to this that don't, aren't really familiar with a little bit of the recent history. Um, over, the past, over the past year or so, there has been some turmoil uh, within the district and at both, the, there, there's two colleges within the district, uh, Crafton Hills College and San Bernardino Valley College. I teach at Crafton Hills. Um, and you know, you know what I think happened, Bruce? Everybody was writing so high at Crafton. We, we just got that bachelor's degree program. Things were getting new buildings up and there's this spirit of just unbelievable you know potential and then the accreditation commission came out and slapped us with a warning we had to withdraw the bachelor's program and it went from an incredible high to an incredible emotional low and i think a lot of what transpired on i can't speak for valley but a lot of transpired at crafton was 
very emotional. It was very, it was very difficult to deal. Not, not only that, we had a couple of deaths on campus last semester. I remember that really, was terrible. Uh, really yes, tragic a student that deaths. a lot of people know. Two students. Two students. And, um, and so anyway, re- the bottom line is both Valley and Crafton, um, as a result of this warning status, elected the Senate faculty senate got together and elected to give the chancellor you burst a vote of no confidence and do you want to speak to that i do sure it was a very stressful time for me and i think a lot of it had to do with the fact that i was feeling just as badly as everybody else that the accrediting commission was so harsh on us and um you know i i saw the whole thing as a uh, it's a process accreditation is a process of improvement and the fact that the faculty kind of turned it into a, um, a Bruce issue or a chancellor issue without discussion, without an invitation to come and talk and work together with the, with the Senate. I guess I felt hurt and I felt um, kind of surprised. Okay, well, let, let me just say something, being on the faculty. Okay, w- one of the reasons I abstained from the vote, which we've discussed before, is because I asked the Senate, can we extend a formal invitation before we vote for the chancellor to address these issues specifically. And I re- now Denise Allen disagrees with me, but I remember very clearly, and she can look at the minutes, the faculty said no. And I thought, well, how can we, I give a vote of confidence to a man that we're not going to give a formal invitation to come defend some of these things? And so I said, I, I can't vote no confidence for somebody. If, if I got I to gotta hear the person out. Uh, there are people that said, well, he would have not come anyway, that he's been invited before and didn't show up. I've heard that a lot. But I don't know if that's true. I don't know. Those are what, that is what faculty is saying, that you're, you're, you're elusive, particularly during that time. N- not in the, like a football kind of good way. <laughs> but, but just elusive that, you know, you wouldn't address these things. You wouldn't have come anyway. At least that was the perception by many faculty. I can't address that because I, I try to base my decisions on what I know, not what people say. So. Well, I think the, um, you know, like with the terrible tragedy where we see some good come out of it and people coming together um, and and the strength growing in San Bernardino, I do feel some good came out of that because I think it was a a wake-up call for everybody. And I think it really helped me to uh, recognize the the fluidity of people's, um, you know, relationships with you and that you've really got to kind of keep an understanding of of where you stand and, and remain closer to people. I do think that there's a there was a, there's an impetus now to, um, you know, maybe reach out more on my part, get to know people on the Senate uh, like yourself and others, and get to see each other as people, and get to relate to each other as people. And um, I care very deeply about this district. I take my job very seriously. I've been doing this work, Jimmy, uh, for over 40 years now, and I wouldn't keep doing it if I didn't love it. And I love this district. So I did feel very badly we were put on warning. I think part of it is, of course, um, you know, a collective um, matter that has to be resolved. Part of it is that we've got a really terrible accrediting commission that's been pointed out in um, audits uh, as one that's heavy-handed and punitive. Um, Many more sanctions in California community colleges than any other uh, regional accrediting commission. Well, you know, I was the head writer for the report at Crafton. And so I was the one putting together all, you know, the whole report for the commission, and I could not believe the level of scrutiny and detail that they demanded from us that it just seemed to be, 
it, I look at I'm I was a virgin to this whole thing before, and it just seemed to me to be, oh my, this is so bureaucratic, bureaucratic overkill, um, that I can't disagree with you. It just it just felt like are, are we seeing you know what is it the trees through the forest the forest through the trees? It's like we're an educational institution, and it just seemed that rep- four hundred page report, um, it just seemed like complete overkill to me. I know, and, and when you look at how wonderful uh, both of our colleges are, I mean, students are learning, there's so many great faculty such as yourself who are so dedicated to the students, and I saw the video of, you, of your teaching methods and just how you engage the students, and I, I feel that the report in some ways was very disingenuous because they boiled down all of the wonderful education and innovation and uh, other things that are happening on campus and, and just boiled it down to these um, you know, really minor types of uh, issues and, and created this warning. Let me just speak to something uh, that let me ask you about because this was, again, this is the, the talk that was happening at the time. Well, if the district office wasn't in such shambles, neither Valley or Crafton would have been put on warning, that it's really all about the district. Now, again, I can't speak to that because I think the only person that has the answer to that question is the actual commission itself. How would you address that? Well, it can't just be the district or the colleges. I think in this case, it really was a combination of both. The district, you know, admittedly, uh, we've had some issues. I've been trying to recruit an HR person for three years and just have not been able to get a quality person to uh, take the job. So we've had uh, consultants and we've had people who've not had no HR experience. So no excuses. I think the the bottom line is that we uh, we learn from the experience. Hopefully we can strengthen our relationships. We have worked, and I know the craft and faculty and staff has as well. I think we've all worked so hard over the last um, several months to correct the deficiencies. And I'm really looking forward to submitting our report in March. And I'm really looking forward to being taken off warning. I feel very confident that the district has met the recommendations. I think I see the work that Crafton's done. So I'm ready to move forward. Um, you know, hopefully that between the Senates and the Chancellor, I have no hard feelings. I understand this is business. I don't know you people personally. You don't know me personally. But we move forward, and I want to get to know people better. I want to get to know people personally. And I want to see, I want the Senates to see me as a, a, an individual human being uh, who really does care and have better dialogue and communication before things get to such a far uh, and uncomfortable uh, problem. Well, you know, let me address, I, I want to talk about the class and what happened, you know, a few weeks ago and all that stuff. I, w- I want to get into that, but let me just ask you something, and this is the one thing that through this process can probably concern me the most, was that when you were given the vote of no confidence, your response was through a lawyer, essentially saying, I don't have to respond, I don't have to respond. And it just felt like, I thought, well, that sucks. Like, why couldn't you come and just look us in the eye and say, look, you know, whatever. Like, I know how we're all feeling. I know we're, you know, it's it's very disappointing. Um, I think there was a, personally, and I know other faculty may disagree with me, there's a little bit of a witch hunt. We're looking for a scapegoat, I thought, um, because that's kind of what you do. And to me, it's really sad that that whole negative event brought Valley and Crafton closer together. I thought that was sad. I didn't think that was good. I thought that was sad. Right. Um, so why did you respond that way? Well, it wasn't my response. What, what, what the Senates were doing was uh, creating a resolution to the board. 
And it was really a recommendation to the board, hey, we have all of these issues with the chancellor and you board um, have to do something about it. So it was the board's response that came through the attorney. And I guess the board just felt that that, so was, that was not your response. No, it was the board's response. no, it was not my response. It was the board's response. And they made a verbal response um, at one point where they said that uh, they've taken all the information from the Senate and they'll look at it in context with the chancellor's evaluation. And now everybody get back to work. We've got a lot of stuff to do. And then they created the formal um, uh, answer back, which came through an attorney and it was the board's feeling that this is not, you know, they hire and fire the chancellor. It's not up to the faculty to say who they should hire and fire and um, discipline. So that was how they chose to handle it. I have no uh, critique of that. And uh, I hope that we just don't get there again. I hope that we could really avoid that uh, in the future and work together um, in a, a more collegial way. But was there a strategical reason you didn't go to both faculties and, and talk to them directly about it? Or did you feel there would be no, uh, it was a lose-lose? I don't know, what were you well, thinking? I was just shunned. Uh, you know, I have, I have monthly meetings with uh, both faculty senate presidents. And when they put out the resolutions for the vote of no confidence, they canceled all of our meetings. So, you know, Jeremiah, every month we have a set meeting. Uh, he's the uh, Senate president at Valley, canceled every meeting. And Denise um, did the same thing. She ha always had a reason why we couldn't meet after district assembly. And I, you know, I understood that. And, you know, I, I just didn't, I wasn't sure what to do, frankly. I was really befuddled and I felt I was, you know, being distanced and made an object mm -hmm. rather than, a, you know, a person that we could talk to. Warning, I want to work well with our faculty. I have nothing but deep respect for our faculty. I mean, again, when I saw you in action and I saw how you handle your students and talk to your students and treat them with that great respect. And uh, when I see learning taking place like that, uh, it really makes me excited. And it also tells me that I need to uh, be out more. I mean, I'd love to drop by classrooms with faculty's permission and, you know, see how they teach. And it, it's so exciting to be engaged. I think all district administrators need to find ways to get engaged in campus activities because I always worked on a campus and um, I love being on a campus. It's so vi the vitality and the, you know, it's just so exciting. But you get isolated at the district office. And, um, and I think that's part of the problem. You know, you've got faculty here doing their thing and they, right. in, they don't interact with you very frequently. So um, I think part, one of my lessons is that I'd like to find ways to engage more with, uh, with faculty and learn more about what they do and, and um, you know, take more of a, uh, an interest well, in that. Well, let me fast forward now that, you know, that all went down in spring and over summer and I'm teaching a small group communication class this semester. And whenever they, whenever they have to break up into small groups and do projects, my one criteria is you have to do something real. You can't do a project like, hey, we're going to make believe we're a company. And you have to do something in the community. You have to do something that's, that's really happening. And so they said, well, is there anything been going on at Kraft? And I said, well, there was a, you know, there was a vote on confidence last semester. That was pretty controversial. And all of a sudden, their eyes just, it wasn't me recruiting anything because we talked about other issues going on on campus too. And now oh, that's boring. We don't want to do that. And then I talked about this. They started getting out their phones and doing this research and looking at this, looking at that. And there started to be a real genuine concern. Like they thought our credits are, you know, a genuine concern. And so I said, you know, I, so from that point forward, I just acted as their advisor because quite frankly, 
I don't think it called for a protest. I, I don't think it called, uh, I, I don't even agree with necessarily my own class, but I love the fact that it was an educational opportunity for them to get involved and for the, they're going to learn so much for this. And I think they did. Some of their information was incorrect. They learned the value of having all the information correct. Um, and it was just a really great experience. And so when that happened, there was no, I have no personal acts with you at all, at all. This was generated from them. So it's funny, you know, you say, we got to become more human to each other. You know, I think your perception of me as kind of the professor of this class was, well, he must, he must hate me or he must, and it couldn't be further from the truth. I'm, I'm just trying to teach them. And I said, hey, if you want to do that, and I also told them this, look, once you call somebody out, you better be ready because it's, it's a serious issue. And people don't take that just, you know, laying down. And they were amazed at the response that they got from the president came and talked to the class. You came and talked to the class. There were other faculty members that were incensed at what they were doing. And I thought that's great for them to experience it because that's real life. People, if you're really doing something that's really rubbing the grain the wrong way, people are going to react. Um, so, yeah, so don't think there's anything personal with me. Like the fact that I'm sitting here talking to you now, with a with a Brooklyn connection, is uh, a <laughs> mm-hmm. doesn't surprise me. Yeah, I was personal. born and raised in Brooklyn. Well, you know what? I misspoke. Okay, let's change gears a little bit because we had talked before. I said my my mom is from Flatbush. She's actually from oh. Bay Ridge. Oh yeah, that's Bay right. Ridge, mm-hmm. Bay Ridge and Fourth Avenue. Wow. In fact, I just Google I searched her, <laughs> uh, her house and saw it. You did? Yeah. Oh, how cool! Yeah, I know the area very well. And I lived in uh, I lived in Park Slope, right off of Flatbush Avenue and Grand Army Plaza, and um, I lived all over the of the city. But uh, I love New York; it's a it's a great place, and um, I, I I miss it. I haven't been back in about fifteen all years. Right, so you were born? Yep, born, there? born and raised in um, in Brooklyn, and then I moved to Queens, and I lived in Manhattan on the Upper West Side of Manhattan for a number of years. Uh, when I worked at uh, City College in Harlem, I lived on the Upper West Side, and um, you know, I'm a New Yorker at heart, but I do love uh, my adopted state. I, so, lo- I love California. And how'd you end up here? Um, came out for work. Uh, the family wanted to see what nice weather was like all year round and mm-hmm. be next door to Disneyland. You know, when you live in New York, it's like a fantasy to imagine going to Disneyland. You know, it's like such a big trip to go to uh, Disney World or so, or something like that. So, um, you know, it was great. The first thing we do was get the annual passport to Disneyland and... Um, we really enjoy enjoy it here. I think it's a great place to raise your raise your family. Now tell me about your family. How many kids? How old? I have three kids. I have a thirty one year old son, and I have a twenty one year old son, uh, who's a Valley College student. And my eighteen year old daughter uh, just started Valley College. She was taking concurrent classes in high school. I think she should take a speech class at Craft and Bruce. Yeah, and I think she'd really <laughs> like it. I think she would really like it. She's taking speech uh, this uh, semester. And uh, she's really good at it. She's an excellent speaker, and she's got a lot of confidence. And uh, she acts. She's an actress. And she's just a really um, very vivacious person. I'm I'm very proud of her. She's going to do well. And you've been married how long? Oh, my God. Over 30 years. 30 years? Yeah. A long time. And um, my wife is really uh, a great person. She's been ill. And um, she has some chronic uh, health problems, which um, is is difficult for us, but she's got the biggest heart in the world, and uh, she's a great mother, a great support, and and everything I do, 
And um, she's like the glue that holds the family together. She's just uh, one of those people. Like, you know, when you walk in the house and you see all these decorations mm -hmm. and she's got the fancy paint jobs everywhere. It's all her. Yeah, yeah. You know, if it was me, it would be the walls would be white and be magazines and records scattered all over the place. Yeah. But she just makes it a, makes it a home, which is, is really good. So um, I've been in higher education for 40 years. And, 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 and starting and, teaching? Or, or, well, I did some teaching. I, I taught as an adjunct associate professor at City College of New York. Uh -huh. And, um, but I was always an administrator. And then I took some time to do uh, some teaching. And I just started out, my, my first job was a $3 an hour as a, I, I say, a gopher for the controller of the City University of New York. And um, my big job every day was running out to get his tuna fish sandwich for lunch. He said, Bruce, Bruce, go get me the tuna fish sandwich at the corner. And I did it so well that I got a promotion and uh, I started a career. So I always say to students when they ever ask advice, uh, I always give this unsolicited advice that don't think you're too good to do something that you think might be menial. Right. You know, if you're able to help and uh, nothing is beneath you, just do every job you have and do it well and to the best of your ability. And that's going to be a key to success because somebody's going to see yeah. that you that you have a passion for whatever it is that you're doing. And, and I would add work for free. I, I, the stuff that I've done for free has probably been the stuff that has led, you know, to, to the most reward in the long run. Um, I think when people see you're willing to work hard uh, and you make yourself invaluable, you know, and even if it's in a menial way, it's like, boy, that guy gets a, 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 a mean tuna fish sandwich. <laughs> That's right. You know? Yeah. Well, I think showing up, being there and showing that you care is very important. And people do notice that. You're absolutely right. So. I was curious, when did you uh, decide you wanted to be a teacher? Um, uh, well, I have a long, <laughs> I have a long past. I was actually a pastor for many years. Wow. I know. Everyone's just like, <laughs> everyone just about faints when I tell them that. Um, I was, yeah, I was a pastor for 13 years, and I, I knew just to, to, I blog about it, read it on my blog, but just put everything in a nutshell. I, I pretty much knew that all those years I was a pastor, I was, I, you know, I'm putting my finger, my thumb in index finger close together. I was this close from leaving and never coming back. And finally that day just came. And I realized that really teaching, I was teaching communication all that time, by the way, just a couple classes here and there. Um, I, I just knew when that was over, this was really my calling for lack of a better term. I'm just, I'm really good at what I do because it's, it, it just comes natural to me. I, I don't have to try, I, you know, I know how to ask the right questions and it's just, it's what, it's just like a fish in water for me. Yeah. So I've been teaching at Crafton about 10 years now, full-time. Mm -hmm. Got hired in 2006 and um, absolutely love it. I love Crafton. I, yeah. I, I love everything about my job. That is so exciting. Yeah. That is so great. Well, you know, obviously I'm in this profession a long time, so there's nothing more important than education. You know, my... my Agreed. Uh, yeah, even my own kids say to me, oh, you know, why do I need to know algebra? Why do I need to know do this or that? Uh, I have no interest in that. I want to record music. And I said, listen, I said, you don't realize now how important your education will be and how much you're going to look back on it when you're older and be appreciative that you had it. It's one of those things that when you're young, you know, it looks, it's like a job. It's like hard work for a lot of students. And I said, you do the hard work now and your life will be better in the future. I said, you don't do it now. It's going to be very impossible. It's almost impossible to do it when you're older. Very difficult to get back into it. And uh, you will not be able to have the same success that you would have with your education. So 
you know, you always got to tell your kids that how important it is. I know that um, my education, uh, you know, it was very hard going through it. But looking back on it, I am so grateful. And I think back now about some of the teachers I had. And I had a, um, it's funny, I had a communications teacher that reminds me of you. Very high energy, very passionate about what he does. And I look back and I say, wow, you know, a good teacher is probably the most important thing uh, a person can be in this life. To inspire students to learn, to get them interested in a career field, you know, to just, it, just spark that love of learning. There's nothing more exciting than teaching people how to use their brain and how to think. And that's why I appreciate, even though we had the, um, you know, the students were saying, um, you know, an X across the chancellor's face. <laughs> I, I, had, I had no knowledge well, about that. What I, but what I really appreciated, Jimmy, was these kids were, were bright. Yeah. You know, they were thinking through the issues. And from what they knew, you know, they were expressing themselves. They were, they were thinking through a problem. They designed a brochure. Mm -hmm. They went out and had a, a, a booth. And, um, they called the media, by the way, but they didn't show up. Oh, well, <laughs> I, I think that that's what you should be teaching students, you know, how to fight the system, how to get, you know, make things right in this world. Because this world is, is beautiful, but it's not right. Mm -hmm. And you need to teach people how to, you know, go out and make it right. And, um, you know, they're young, I'm old, and it was my obligation to call you and say, hey, listen, I've heard about this. Can I come? And address it. I can't just sit in my uh, in the ivory tower and wait for people to come to me. Right. And that's another lesson I think I learned out of this: that when I see something wrong or I see something that needs to be addressed, you know, get up, you know, off your butt and go right. go address it. And I really I was so rewarded the day that I spent in the auditorium. I was sweating up a storm. Right. I mean, there were tough questions. They really were. They really they, they had yeah. balls of steel. My <laughs> goodness, <laughs> they really they, did. They did not. Uh, I was wow. But I felt good. I felt good talking about it. I felt great when they came over afterwards and we shook hands and they said, gosh, we learned a lot, you know, about, uh, about you and, and how you feel about the, these things. And, you know, for that hour and, and however long it was, for that hour and change, it just made my week. And, uh, you know, people have got to talk to each other. Things on, we're all online now and it's so easy to write an email or uh, make a post and, you don't really think about the impact of your words. So we're losing the intercommunication. The interpersonal face-to-face. Inter yes, yeah. and I think we need to have more of that. And that's something I've learned too, because I love email, I love texting, but nothing can take the place. Nothing could have expressed uh, what happened that day in the auditorium at Crafton. Nothing could have replaced just talking to the students face-to-face. -face. I could have never done it on um, you know, a yeah. blog. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I, I just want to stress that, number one, teaching is so crucial and schooling is so important. And also the need for communication uh, between people is also so important. Well, you know, going back to what you are talking about earlier, I think, you know, one of the reasons I find it so rewarding to teach at a, the community college level I'm of the opinion that a great majority of the education that takes place prior to college is babysitting. Now, th you have bright kids, you have AP kids. I'm not throwing everybody under that babysitting bus. Uh, but a lot of it is. I substitute taught for a brief period of time in high school. And just what I saw was this is we're just keeping them occupied till they're 18. And now at least when they're 18, they don't have to go to school anymore. So anybody who sits in my class, maybe they just don't want to go to work so they're at school because they don't want to work or, you know, 
whatever the case may be, but they all want to be there. And some of them want to be there a lot more than others want to be there, but they all want to be there for some reason. And to me, it's that level of motivation that makes it so exciting. No, no one's obligated. Um, they're there of their own volition. They're at a very critical time in their life where they have to decide, okay, who am I? What, I mean, maybe I'm kind of projecting myself into this because what happened with me, I went to community college. Who am I? What am I doing? What's important to me? You know, where do I want to go? And I love to see it start clicking. You know, it starts clicking and you see it in their eyes. And I can't tell you how many students that I've had that I've had when they're 18 or 19 and they're not ready. They're not ready to be a student yet. And they don't turn assignments in and they fail the class. It happens all the time. But all of a sudden, three years later, I'll get the same student. And it's like, to be continued. This is Jimmy's intention. Enjoy, dude.